Journey to Organization, episode 122, Toys. You're listening to the Journey to Organization podcast with Rebecca Saltzman, advice to help you clear your clutter and your mind. Hello and welcome to Journey to Organization. I'm Rebecca Saltzman from Balagan Begone Personal Organization, and today I want to talk about toys. Now, today I'm answering a listener question about toys in an email sent sort of frantically. <laughs> uh, toys can be tricky for most people. There are a lot of issues surrounding toys, so today I want to talk about a few aspects regarding toys. So we're going to talk about toy storage, how to deal with mess and odds and ends, quantities of toys that are necessary or needed or comfortable, <laughs> and saving toys between kids. The first thing I want to talk about is how do you store the toys? So personally, my favorite method for storing toys is the IKEA Trofast unit. Now, I don't get paid for saying this, but I really like this unit. I find it to be one of the easiest for kids to maneuver with. Um, there are drawers that slide in and out of smooth slides, at least on the wooden model. On the uh, on the white models, I believe there are tracks, but on the wooden model, it just slides in and out. It's super easy for the kids to manage. It comes with either bins or shelves, your, your choice. You choose the configuration of the unit. You decide if it's drawers or baskets or whatever it is. The baskets are really, really durable. You can pick the color even of the baskets. Uh, they come in a lot of different sizes. So it's great when you have different size items because you can store balls and baseball bats, you know, and you can store board games and Legos and it all works really, really well in this unit. But some people find it a little too juvenile looking. It's definitely not the most beautiful <laughs> of the IKEA collections. Uh, another good option is the Calyx unit from IKEA. Now, this option to me isn't as good because the storage bins, the cubby areas are bigger and the bins themselves can be more difficult for the kids, especially smaller kids to handle. But it's a little more streamlined. It's a little bit nicer looking. And you can also get half shelves and half drawers for the unit. And you can also do some customization and configuration. They have a lot, a lot of choices for colors of bins, but mainly the bins are all the same size. They do have these drawers that you can add on for extra. Um, they're okay. They also have doors to cover certain sections. Calyx is a, a, a very sturdy piece. It's it's nice. It's It's nicely made. It's good for books. It's good for toys. The problem with it is that the cubbies themselves are not adjustable. So larger items can't sit inside the cubby. They can rest on top. They can rest next to, but sometimes they don't fit inside the cubby themselves. I guess, like all things in life, <laughs> it's a trade-off. So, you know, you have to decide which one works best for you. It's totally your call, but I think that the Either one is a good choice, but for me personally, we like the Trofast. We've had ours for years. Uh, I've purchased them secondhand. 
they are really, really durable, and they look pretty nice. And we're happy with them. So like all other things, toys should all be stored together. Now, I'm a big fan of toys not in the bedroom in like a designated play area. If you don't have a playroom, toys in the bedroom is better than toys in the living room. But I find that sometimes toys in the bedroom can distract kids from other stuff that needs to be going on in their rooms like I don't know going to sleep <laughs> uh, for us personally we have no choice our kids toys are in their rooms um, it works it's working out okay for us but the kids are getting bigger now so it's also less of an issue because you know sometimes they listen better <laughs> not always but sometimes in general I find that toys in the living room they tend to take over. They also tend to take over and multiply and grow <laughs> in the playroom, especially in the playroom, especially if they've been left unchecked. So every few weeks, it's a good idea to sort through the toys and assess, especially in a playroom, you know, what can go, what can, what should stay. It's a good idea to just not let the space get out of control. When you let the space get out of control, that's how toys break and things get damaged. So if you are going to reorganize to start, take everything out and sort everything by category. Throw away or recycle anything that's broken and cannot or will be fixed. And when I say cannot or will be fixed, I mean, probably it's been on your list to fix it for a while. If you really, really want to fix it, Put it on your calendar and make it happen. If it's not on your calendar, it's not real. So put it on your calendar to get it done and make sure it gets done. If not, give it the heave-ho. Give yourself an end by date, you know, maybe a month or six weeks, but don't let it go on forever. If you can't get it fixed, get it out. Normally, I don't necessarily start with the sorting, but for toys, I think it's a good idea. I'll explain why a little bit later on in the episode, but... Really, I think that one of the things you need to have up front is bins or boxes. Now, you don't have to have anything specific. They can be cardboard boxes even, or they can be shopping bags. I don't really care what they are. You just need something to physically contain the categories until you have a chance to figure out which system you're actually going to use. So having something, bags, whatever, it doesn't matter, um, really makes it easier to sort, especially small objects like Legos or magnets or something like that. Once it's all sorted, it's a good idea to take a look through it. Ask yourself if you need this. It's really important, though, that you do this step with kids. So once it's all tidy, give your kids a chance to go through it with you. They don't necessarily need to do the tidying stage this time because, you know, it's the first time you can do that. It will be much faster if you do it yourself. But then once you're deciding what stays and what's, go what's going, include your kids. You should also give your kids a safety net. Allow them to have five safety toys that can't be discarded. Each child can pick five. But remember, you know, this isn't about you. This is about them. <laughs> Even if you love a toy, if they don't love it and they're not using it, it's not worth keeping. Obviously, you have the last word, but that is a very, very powerful word. So use it carefully and don't overuse it. You know, use it for good, not for evil, right? Because 
your word means something. So you can tell your kids, you know, you have override power, but be conscientious because I think that if you use that too much, it's going to be hard for them. And, you know, you don't want it to be hard for them. (laughs) You want it to be easy for them. So I think it's a really good idea to give them this safety net if you want to give them six or seven fine. I would cap the number at 10. Do not give them any more than 10 um, unless that's all the number of toys they can keep. And when I say number of toys they can keep, I don't mean like one magnetile or one Lego. Obviously, those count as one whole set, one whole piece. If you're worried about saving toys for future kids that you don't have, don't be. (laughs) It's probably best not to save, especially if you are tight on space. You will always get new toys. People will always be willing to pass things on to you. If you have a few toys that are exceptional, and I mean really exceptional and perfect condition that your kids loved, okay, I'll give you a pass on those and I won't argue with you. But for the most part, I think you should really pass on what you aren't using and what is not age appropriate for your children. Now, if you're saving toys in between already existing children, that I'll allow. The next child isn't quite ready for what your older child is playing with, that's fine. Gather up those toys, put them together, put them on the higher part of the shelf so it's out of the way for, you know, the child for any kid who can't really use it at that point. And then when they're ready, when it's age appropriate, you can bring it down for them. This way, you know, it's out of the way, but you know, you're still holding on to it. However, only save the very best of the best, anything that's in really exceptional condition and anything that, you know, you really love, you think your kid will really love, you know, your kids, be honest with yourself (laughs) and ask your kid if they want stuff, you know, even if they're little, they know if they like to play with certain toys, even if they're not totally age appropriate. In the meantime, Any toys that your kids can use now should be kept where they can reach them because having them up high means that they have to come and bother you every time they want them. So (laughs) that's why I love the Trofast units because, you know, you can put the the, the unused stuff on top. You can put the used stuff on the bottom or the stuff in use in the bottom. Uh, One thing that I have always noticed is that kids seem to use the toys less when they have more toys. So I think you're really doing your kid a disservice if you have too much. Forcing them to decide what's important to them and what's not important to them is actually a really great skill for them to practice. So you're not doing them any disservice by having less. Don't look at it as having less. Look at it as having a really great curated you know, toy chest. That's how you should look at it, that they have these really perfectly curated toys just for them. You've weeded out any garbage and you've done the best you can for them. It's not less, it's best. For some kids, they might be sad or have difficulty letting things go. But you can always fix a problem by reframing the solution a little bit for them. Instead of saying you're throwing out the toys, make a conscientious decision to donate them to somewhere. You could donate them to your child's school, to a playroom at a local community space, to a women's shelter if you're connected to one of those. You can 
donate them to a doctor's waiting room. There's all sorts of creative places you can donate to and places that need toys. Be conscientious, though. Giving toys that are not in good condition is not it's not nice. It's not right. Anything that's not in good condition should really be thrown away uh, or recycled. When your kids really can understand that other kids can benefit from their old stuff, it actually makes them feel better. It gives them like more of a drive to actually declutter. Uh, when they see that it's going someplace where it can still be useful, even if it's not useful for them anymore, it's easier for them to let go. The same as it is for you. So your kids are just ver little versions of adults, <laughs> except with less reasoning skills. So, you know, what is difficult for you is going to be magnified for them. Now, that being said, <laughs> you know, it's important to help them practice these skills because imagine that you're standing in the middle of a room and you're trying to figure out how you're going to declutter the room and you're looking around and you're like, oh my gosh, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to start. I I don't even, I can't, I can't, and you just walk out and close the door. Well, that's what it's like for kids because their executive functioning skills are much weaker than yours. So by first, you know, sorting it and getting it cleaned up and getting rid of the mess a little bit, it's going to be easier for them to decide what to declutter. And when you have a real place to let go to, once they understand that anything that's in good condition that they don't want anymore is going to go to somebody new who will still love it, it's a lot easier for them to really let things go. So how do you decide how many toys you should keep? Hmm. That's really a personal choice. It's going to depend on how much space you have and how much space you're willing to allot to toys. The more you have, the more toys you have, that is, the harder it is to keep toys organized. Just because you have a bigger space doesn't mean you should fill it with toys. So there's this sort of balance that you're going to have to feel out for yourself. But I suggest paring down to as few as possible. And remember, like I said before, having less toys doesn't mean your kids are going to be bored. In fact, having less toys means the toys that they have are going to actually get played with and they're going to have a perfectly curated collection of toys for them. When you have fewer toys, studies show that it helps kids to be more imaginative. So so I want to go back to children's executive functions. So the example I gave you before was that, you know, you're standing in a uh, messy, messy space and you don't know how to approach it. So you just sort of walk out. But on the alternate side, sometimes everything can be neatly organized. And yet there are so many choices, you don't even know what to choose. So you just keep picking the same thing over and over and over again because there's too many other choices and it's overwhelming for you. And then you get bored of that same thing and you're like, well, I have nothing to wear anymore, right? If you're standing in front of your perfectly organized closet, right? So for kids, let's say, you know, they don't really know what they have or they can't reach all their toys or they can't see anything and it's messy, you know, they don't know what to pick. But the same thing is if they're, if, even if it's clean and there's too many choices to choose from, it's too hard for them to, to pick because like I t said before, their executive function skills are weaker than yours. So giving them fewer choices actually helps them to make a choice. So let's use an example. Let's say you give your kid the choice. What are you going to keep? A uh, 
beloved bear that, you know, he's loved since he was a baby or a broken truck that's missing the digger part, right? Obviously, it's going to be clear the child's going to pick the bear versus the broken toy, right? So if, if you're giving the your child choices this or this, or as my kids say, or this or this, because now they're Israeli and that's what they say here. <laughs> Something gets lost in translation, right? But if you're saying to your kids, it's either this one or this one, you make the choice, it's going to be a lot easier for them to choose from two things rather than 20 things. So anytime you have to force them to pick something one or the other, then you need to narrow down the choices to two or three, but nothing really more than that. Pick one out of each group kind of thing and then keep moving forward. Eventually you'll have gone through everything and then you can go back and sort of take a second pass. It might be a little bit harder on the second pass, but now that your child has more experience making decisions, it might even be easier. Any junk toys that you have can be discarded. And for the future, please educate your children about not bringing these junky garbage toys into the house. Discourage them from accepting them in the first place. And if you can, give them an alternative to accepting them. So like when I take my kids to the dentist and the, the dentist offers them, you know, a garbage toy, I'm like, guys, maybe we can go to a movie or maybe we can go to the arcade or some other, you know, alternative activity, or we can just go spend time in the park right now. I can spend 30 minutes with you if you decide not to take these toys. Some other reward for not bringing the garbage into your house. Once they understand how to not bring garbage into your house, it's gonna be a lot easier for them to start declining in the future. It's a good habit to get into. It will help them in the long run. So like I said before, any toys that are broken or missing pieces that can't be replaced, they should be discarded and try to recycle where possible. For many toys, you can call up the manufacturer and order replacement parts. So if it's something that's beloved, I would definitely try to do that. The thing about toys is that it's easy. It's really easy for pieces to go missing. So it's a really good idea to make toys that have a lot of pieces easy to clean up. So and even toys that don't have a lot of pieces, <laughs> easy to clean up, right? So label bins with writing and or pictures so that kids know where things go. And if you have if you have smaller children, the pictures are really very good for them and it makes it much easier for them because they can't read yet. For things like board games, make sure that the pieces are securely stored in their boxes so that you don't have a million pieces. So for example, in our house, we have sorry. All the pieces for sorry go into a plastic bag, including the cards, inside the box. A lot of my clients, though, decide that they can't handle the way that 16 different board game boxes look in their house. So I have two methods to share with you that I, my clients have found successful. The first is using large clear plastic bags instead of the boxes that they come in. Just as an aside, I really wish that game board, board games, yeah, board game, <laughs> that board game manufacturers would decide to make a standard size box. It would be like 
one of those really nice things. <laughs> um, but what I suggest and what has worked for a lot of my clients is they have one like larger box with all these individual plastic bags and it can really fit in a lot of different games and it takes up much less space than, you know, six board, six or 10 board games take up. So what they do is they put like all the small pieces inside a larger plastic bag with the game board and the like cover of the box or part of the box so you can easily identify the game inside the bag and they stand them up inside this like one bin. Um, sometimes the game boards are not going to fit in those plastic bags so they can just sort of rest inside the bin with games and you can find it. You can label the outside of the um, board so that it's clear you know it's Monopoly or Sorry or whatever. Now other of my clients prefer these stacking drawers. Okay so these drawers uh, I don't really know like a good name for them, but they're basically letter size drawers. Maybe they're legal dr size drawers even. They're plastic. They usually sit on top of your desk um, and they're usually like between three and five drawers. And what you can do is you can put all of the pieces inside the drawers, just label the outside of the drawer. I still suggest putting them inside a plastic bag um, inside the drawer, especially if it has a lot of small pieces like for games like Risk, uh, those have a ton of small pieces, so corralling them in a plastic bag in case the drawers um, like tip over <laughs> um, is a really good idea. But you know, just put a label on the outside and the boards sort of stand next to it or underneath the holder in the closet. A lot of my clients prefer that. It looks a little more streamlined than plastic bags inside a box. Either way is okay, whatever works for you. If you prefer to leave them in the box, you can also do that. It's your choice, these are only suggestions. Um, I find that these two suggestions are really very helpful and space saving. So again, the key to organizing toys is being willing, at least at first, to help your kids in the cleanup process. Yelling at your kids and being like, go clean up your room, what's wrong with you? Why can't you clean up your room, right? that's not really helpful because they don't really understand the steps that it, they need to take to actually clean up because their executive function skills are so weak. So you can give them direction even if you're not actually doing the work with them. You might just want to stand there. Hey, can you first take all the magnets and put all the magnets into the bin that has the picture of the magnets. And then when you're done with that, you can take the cars and put all the cars in the bin that has the cars on it. And after that, you can take the Legos or the Duplos or the box blocks or whatever and you know put them in the correct bin and I'll help you put the bins on the shelves, right? Knowing that they have help makes it easier for them. Another thing that makes it easier for them is making a game out of it seeing how many magnets they can clean up in a minute, or if they can beat the clock, can they clean all the magnets up in a minute? And that makes them feel good and it's a game and it's fun and it sort of extends playtime, but also manages to get the playroom or play space cleaned up. Once kids know where things go, it's a lot easier to get cleaned up, but don't expect no resistance because I think that's just like a pipe dream. <laughs> One key thing to remember though is that your kids, especially the ones over four, 
need to be involved in this process because it teaches them tons of valuable life skills, how to sort things, how to decide what's worth keeping in life, how to be kind to others because you're donating towards that to them, how to make choices, how to choose from one and the other, and how to organize things. And these are really important skills that kids need to be great adults. And if you don't include your kids and you throw away stuff without letting them know, you could create a lot of tension in your relationships with them, but also down the road, it could create hoarding tendencies because they get nervous that someone's gonna throw out their stuff so they just sort of keep everything. It's not really rational, but you know, it happens. If one of your children is already heading in the hoarding direction, use this time to help guide them. It's not going to be, you know, a silver bullet or a magic wand. It's going to take time, but start to give them easy choices. Again, am I keeping the beloved bear or am I keeping the broken car? Make it easy for them to make the right choice because when they have more experience making choices, you can start to get to these more difficult questions. Oh, is it beloved bear or beloved car, right? Not necessarily great versus broken kind of thing. When you have two things that you love, are you keeping them both? Those decisions are much more difficult to make. They require more experience to be able to make them quickly and effectively without regrets. So practice, 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 practice decluttering, and eventually you'll be really good at it. Once you do the sorting and you know start to get yourself organized, I really suggest revisiting the toys weekly for a month. Once you start hitting them regularly, you'll be watching what the kids are really playing with and you'll be able to get rid of more and more as time goes by. I suggest that once a month, you try to just take a pass, see what's broken, see what needs to be cleaned, help your kids get organized once a month so that, you know, everything isn't totally out of control all the time because that that would be really awful. For kids who are in charge of their own spaces, don't get upset at how they keep their spaces because a lot of times their external space is a reflection on their inner feelings. So if they seem disorganized or out of sorts, yelling at them to clean up is really not going to help. Offer to help them get the space tidied up and you might even have a really great dialogue with your kids about what's bothering them and help them get to like some inner struggle, help them resolve that. And I think it's a really good way to, to you know, spend time with your kid and, and, and we look at, you know, cleaning up your room as like something that kids should just know how to do. And not all kids just know how to do it. (laughs) And, you know, they need training. Some kids are naturally good at sports or singing and they don't need any training, but other kids need tons of training because, you know, that's the way it is. Or some kids need a math tutor or some kids need an English tutor. That's the way it is. And we don't get upset at them when they need an English tutor or a math tutor, right? Or, Or if they're good at sports or if they're not good at sports, we don't get upset at them. We get them trainers and coaches and tutors. The same thing is true with organization. I'm not saying you need to hire a pro for your kids necessarily, but I am saying you need to work with them because they need your help. It's a good way to bond. It's a good way to teach them really, really important skills. It's not something that should be overlooked because really these executive function skills help them later on. 
One last thing to keep in mind, when new toys come into your house, say at a birthday party or at holiday time, you're going to want to prep your kids for this. So make a plan, ask them where new toys are going to go. And if new toys come in, then old toys need to go out. So preemptively ask them which toys they feel comfortable leaving and guesstimate how many gifts they might get uh, so that they can, you know, guesstimate how many gifts, how many old things need to leave. Additionally, it's a good idea and helpful if you can say to, if you're having, let's say, a birthday party, if you can say to other parents, please don't send a gift. (laughs) Or my child is saving for a bike or whatever, can you please contribute towards the purchase of a bike, right? That is a much better gift than something that's stupid and costs nothing. And even if you can only contribute a small amount, one or two or three or $5, right? It's better than a $5 gift that's totally ridiculous and that's just going to end up in the trash in five minutes. I would way rather have any day of the week $5 to help my kid learn how to save for a goal rather than $5 worth of a garbage toy. Please refer to episode 121 about gifts that are not physical to help avoid clutter and encourage your kids to ask for these gifts because it's better for them. You don't have to be like, hey, we're going to do no gifts. Frame it in a way that's easy for them to choose. Do you want to get the cheap Barbie that won't really last you very long? Or would you like to ask everybody to give a small contribution to help you buy a bike, right? It's going to be a lot easier to convince your child that, you know, getting something bigger is better for them. And it's really teaching them a valuable skill, how to save and how to budget. I really hope that this answered everybody's questions about toys. (laughs) It's a burning subject for a lot of people and it's hard. Even if you decide to pare down and have a really great curated collection of toys, it's also really helpful to, you know, swap some of the toys in and out. So for some toys, you can put some on the bottom and some on the top. And then at the end of each week, you can swap them out. If kids ask for it in between, that's great. That's fine. But it also gives them variety and it keeps things sort of fresh. So I also suggest doing this swap and I think that it's helpful in keeping the kids like motivated to use their toys. Like I said, I hope that this episode answered all of your questions about toys. It's it was a long time coming, I think. <laughs> For now though, uh, if you have any questions or a topic you'd like me to discuss, please don't hesitate to send me an email at Rebecca R-E-B-E-K-A-H at RebeccaSaltzman.com or leave me a voicemail. And I will be happy to try to discuss that topic in a future episode. If you need help with decluttering, either coaching or on site, please also let me know. I'm here for you and consultations are free. And for now, have a great week and happy organizing. Thanks for listening to the Journey to Organization podcast. You can find Rebecca on Twitter and Instagram at BalaGonBegon and on Pinterest as Rebecca Saltzman. Visit BalaGonBegon.com for resources and to join the mailing list to get podcast updates.